Thank you, Peter. Didn't he do well? How about we give him a big clap? Hey, it's great to see you guys. How you doing? Are we alive? Does rugby really matter that much? No, they say. Guess what? You want some really, really, really good news? There's a World Cup coming up in four years. It's only four years away, and we might win it. All going well, but you can never count your chickens, can you? And I hear people say, cockaloo No? It's great to be with you. It's, it's good. I, I really look forward to Sundays. Do you know why? I mean, Jono talked about it last week. Sundays are where we come together as family to love one another, but mostly to lift up the name of God collectively, to recharge, refocus, and go out and do it again. But we need our Sundays to be together, don't we? To encourage each other in that. So it's great, great to be with you. Uh, just before I get into the word and that, I just want to speak a, quickly a couple of, about a couple of things. Uh, one is the thing that I spoke about last week, the uh, Christmas Lights Festival uh, message, powerful message thing that we still have, need a final name for. Um, the advertising should hopefully be out this week um, for that. And so what we're looking for, I mentioned last week, we're looking for people to adopt trees. So out at the property is about 30 trees and we're looking for people and there's a sign-up sheet at the hub this morning. We're looking for people who will take responsibility for decorating one tree, which means buying some lights uh, and we'll have some ways, we'll share some ways that you can do that, but there's things like AliExpress where you can buy Christmas lights really, really cheaply rather than go to one of the shops around here and pay six times the price. Uh, so you can do that. And then in the week leading up to it, we can decorate the tree. There'll be some uh, one to two cherry pickers. And for those of you that find the thought of having to uh, get up and do that, we will have some people that can decorate the trees for you. So if you have bought the lights and or the decorations, whatever you need, People can do it for you, uh, but you can also do it yourself if you want to um, have that thrill of being on the edge of a cherry picker at 20 foot. It's great. Second thing is internships. Now, we've got internships for next year advertised. What is an internship? So an internship is a placement where people can come and take a year out for God and work in a church setting. So... They, it's a combination of study that is done through a New Zealand uh, Qualifications Authority recognised provider. So you actually get student allowance. So it's paid allowance and you actually work towards either a certificate or a diploma in Christian ministry. Now, uh, we were involved in them for about eight years at Life Church, and each internship although in many ways the same, would be tailored to the individual intern. So it's not a one-size-fits-all. 
uh, I would look at the intern that was coming through. I'd meet with them for a coffee once or twice and we'd talk about their strengths and their ambitions and whether they were artistic or musical or whether they wanted to do youth or whether they wanted to do uh, another area of um, church life. And, that, and then I would create a internship that had a lot of the um, key normal stuff but was tailored specifically to their strengths and that so it actually was tailored and developed them personally and so they would uh, do lectures in uh, in biblical studies and how to live for God and how church works they would do leadership studies and they would also serve at church uh, which was very helpful to church but great for them because they actually got to see how church runs you can't tell on a Sunday when you turn up to church what happens through the week but I can tell you there's things like there's uh, mainly music happens on a Sunday on a Thursday uh, there's two big sessions happen out there um, yeah there's people like um, nearly in that turning up doing um, putting together boxes and volunteers putting together boxes for Operation Christmas Tr Child out in a room there there's uh, there's Ron um, is out the back doing stuff with people you know for ABC and that I mean church looks very different through the week and it's all um, part of church it's not just part of Sunday um, Sunday is where we come together and celebrate lift up God's name but it's so much more than that. So uh, you get to see that. One of the things I also did with interns that I was um, very keen on was I would meet with them every single Wednesday. Uh, so I would block out my diary for an entire year. Every single Wednesday was a intern's day. It was their day uh, with me, and I would meet with them. Uh, and we'd do a devotion. And then I would just talk about stuff that's church-related. And one of the things I would always try and do with them was explain how we make decisions. So I would talk about things uh, that had come out of our uh, leaders' meetings or our staff meeting that they could know about, not the confidential stuff, obviously, but uh, the stuff that they could know about. And then I would explain the rationale behind it and what kind of things we look at and take into account in making those decisions so that they're actually learning the day-to-day -day art of making decisions and the kind of considerations that we need to consider as church leaders and uh, running a church and running a church well um, so it's really, um, that's just a little bit more for your understanding. So if you do know people who are interested in an internship, that's kind of how it will run. It'll be run through proper providers um, and they sometimes might change depending on who the person is and the best internship that we're looking for for them. So it's not always a one size fits all. I always like to be able to tailor stuff to the people and that, um, so that works. So. I want to speak this morning uh, about staying fresh and alive in God. Staying fresh and alive in God. How many feel fresh and alive? No one's, just look at the person next to you. Is anyone deceased? No, everyone's still alive. That is a good thing. That is a good thing, okay? So that's great. And before we do this, I've just got a note here. Kathy Lindsay has been sick this week. So how about we pray as a congregation for her? So we lift that dear woman up. Kathy Lindsay is an amazing woman of God. She has served God, uh, pastoring uh, in Wainui Omaitu. 
Poe Murray, um, Paul Murray, uh, and uh, she's been quite sick in hospital this week. So we'll pray for that God does a great work in her life. So she had an operation yesterday, and I understand it went really well, but she's quite exhausted in that. So, Father, we lift up Kathy to you, and we love this woman, and we uh, just love her family, Father, but we pray for her uh, health situation this week. We pray that you will do a mighty work in it, that you will, uh, thank you that you've helped the doctors to figure out what's going on, but we pray for continued wisdom for the doctors, continue uh, to show them if there's other things that are causing problems in that, and we just pray for healing for Kathy right now in the name of Jesus. We just pray, Holy Spirit, that you will surround her, fill her with your power, comfort her, give her peace, take away any pain she's feeling and be with her. I pray that she will be a shining light for you, even in this situation, that you will be her testimony. Father, back at church of of how glorious her God is. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. It's cool. Hey, so I want to talk about staying fresh and alive in God. And, And I love being around people who are fresh and alive in God. Do you? Isn't it good? Isn't it interesting that we can hang around with people who are very up and we feel good, but we can also hang around people who are very down on a major down buzz and we don't feel good. We actually, I remember in the police I used to work uh, in third floor back in Palmerston and I worked with another section and uh, they were in, uh, prosecutors involved in court and and obviously, um, you know, there's an opportunity to become very cynical and very critical and, and I found just the environment that I would have lunch with them uh, a number of times through the week and I just found it was just a toxic kind of environment to be around at times because they were quite they were carrying a lot of stuff that they'd seen and injustice and it kind of rubbed off and and uh, there were times where I felt like I feel like I need to go and take a shower just to wash the negativity off wash the the toxicity off and uh, just get back into a kind of normal frame of mind. Um, but we can, we can encounter people like that all any day of the week uh, anywhere we go can't we? unless you're on Mars. (laughs) But I love hanging around people who are positive, but it's not always a given. But I thought I'd I'd talk about staying fresh and positive in God and just 10 quick tips about people who are positive and things we can do in our lives. So uh, are you ready? Here we go. 10 10 quick things. First thing is have a God-focused outflow. People who are Alive in God, have an out-focus, outward-focused God flow. They don't just uh, always look in. They're not always worried about themselves, but they're looking at how they can touch people for God. They are looking at what they can bring, not what they can take. We have two types of people in the world. We have takers and we have givers, basically. And uh, I guess we have those who sit on the fence. You could say there's a third, but... To be a giver is so good. To be around people who have something to offer you, and I'm not talking about money, but I'm just in terms of when you meet them, you know you've been around someone who has made your life richer. 
They've made a deposit into your life rather than a withdrawal. People who are negative, people who are on a down buzz, make emotional withdrawals. You feel worse for being around them. You feel like the cup is half empty instead of half full around them because they are inward looking instead of outward looking. So we always need to be outward looking. And I wonder who we can look to to give us encouragement and strength. Hmm. I don't know. I guess as we go on, we might get some clues. In Joshua, it says, But if serving the Lord seems desirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day who you'll serve, whether the gods of your ancestors, uh, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, serve the Lord. Yeah. So we need to make decisions around who we're going to live for at the end of the day. And I would suggest that it is always better to live for God. Always choose God. Always choose the Lord. The second thing is gratitude. Gratitude. People who are alive and brimming with life and that, make a decision to be grateful. Do you know things like thankfulness, gratefulness, it's actually not a feeling. It's not an emotion that just comes up on us. It's actually a decision that we make in our brain and then our feelings catch up with that decision. It's a little bit like someone who gets married and, and, and they decide, I love my wife. Or they decide, wake up one day and they decide, I don't love my wife. Guess what? That's not an emotion. That's a decision that they've made. I am choosing to love my wife or my husband. I'm choosing to love this person or not love them. But it's not an emotion. Now, there might be some warm and fuzzies that come with it, but it is a a decision that we make to be faithful to a person, to honor our marital vows to someone. They are decisions that we make in our head. We see, you know, we see someone who looks very attractive and, uh, you know, initially we, we see them and, and uh, you know, when we're young and they walk into the room and, and we're not married at this point, we're single. But we see them and, and we think, whoo, wow. I remember meeting Gina, actually. The day I met her, I thought she is like a 10 out of 10. I can't just, you know. She was, she was very nice. At, but I remember in the weeks that coming, thinking about it and thinking, she's way out of your league, buddy. Don't even think about it. Don't even think about that girl. Um, and so I didn't because I thought, mate, she is so far ahead of you, buddy. You don't stand a dog show. And I knew some people who had noticed Gina had turned up on the scene and they were way cooler than me. They had everything going on that I didn't have. And I thought, you're never going to compete against them. That guy's got a moustache. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, but a couple of weeks back, I was actually growing a bit of uh, stubble. There's no way I can grow a moustache. I still can't. You know, years and years, 30 years later, I still can't grow a moustache. It's sad. He had a Holden as well. <laughs> a moustache and Holden and glasses and he probably wore stubbies as well, you know. Are you getting the image, you know? The 70s. 
but it was actually the 80s, actually closing in on the 90s. But I digress. Choose to be grateful. And on that point, I'm going to invite a couple of people up. So, Jen, do you want to come up and share? Last week we prayed for um, Jen's daughter, and Jen's going to come up and just share something about that. So this is Jen Tyson. Um, I still don't have any words, really. And um, just God is so good. I've been a part of this church whānau now for nearly 17 years. Um, Ayla was born into this church. She's 11. And Ayla's a competition dancer and has been very gifted talent-wise and she was bouncing around at dancing on Wednesday night last week. A little bit funny and off, but, you know, just a bit tired. And then Thursday morning she got up and she was very, very ill. And um, Ayla ditched her daytime sleeps before she was two. And anybody that knows her, she is a pocket rocket. She doesn't sleep during the day even if she's sick. And from seven in the morning till six that night, we couldn't get her out of bed. She wouldn't look at the light. Um, her head was so sore I couldn't stop the pain. She was vomiting, her fever was through the roof and she wouldn't move. And my husband came home from work and he said, this is not good. And he's usually the one that's like, oh, you're overreacting, you know. And I was like, he was the one that looked at me and went, Ugh. We went up to the after hours and the after hours doctor, bless his soul, said she didn't have meningitis, even though in my spirit I just knew. My mother's had it before, that's what I know it looks like. And... Um, he said, no, no, she's just dehydrated, go home. And we went home and it, it just got worse and worse. And um, by 10 o'clock, we were both looking at each other and parents, I don't know if you know that feeling of like, get irritable because the other one's not making the decision that you just don't know what it would make. And I said, do we call the ambulance? And he said, no, we'll just go down in the car. And he sat in the back with her. She was so ill, she couldn't even sit up. And uh, I gripped the steering wheel. I chose to drive because I needed something to do. And then I remembered to pray. And I just prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed in tongues because I had no words. And I, all I prayed for was to have the right doctors and the right people. And the minute we walked into that, after the A&E, every little prayer was answered, even before we had any major... Um, answers to any prayers she was still very very sick um the next day so she had a lumbar puncture by 1am everything just was in line like doctors were incredible we had these smart amazing speedy doctors and I was just thank you lord and even just signing the sheet for the lumbar puncture was stressful and I was praying through it and praying over her in tongues while she was vomiting and it was just all I knew what to do was pray and then by the next morning, I'd message Gina and a few other really close people that I knew would start praying for us. And I knew there were other people praying for us. So sometimes I would just be like, God, I'm grateful for any prayers that are going out there. I declare whatever's been spoken over our lives and you never leave or forsake us. And the song that we sung this morning, I was allowed to go back home. I've got a wonderful husband who did the first night shift and I did the second night shift. I didn't eat for about two days. And then... Um, they told us it would either be bacterial or viral because the markers were for both. So we had no idea. No idea. The minute they stuck the drip in, I swear to you, I just started to see things happen. And then on Sunday morning, this is what I want to thank you and thank God for as much as all of it. But on Sunday morning, 
she turned a corner and she's at church today fully participating in um, frequency. She's already done a half day back at school. She was bouncing on the trampoline yesterday. And I found out from Gina that at 10.30, around the time she turned a corner was when church prayed for her. So be encouraged. Um, I know God doesn't always answer prayers the way we want. He's always there. He never leaves us or forsakes us, ever. And everybody's journey's different. But for some reason, he chose to heal Ayla. And even this morning, she was still processing that. She doesn't even know what that means for her. She doesn't even know that. She can't get her head around why. She said, Mummy, one day I was so sick and the next day I wasn't. Um, by Sunday, it was Sunday she was eating. They took her off the drip and it was, um, the diagnosis showed that she'd got enterovirus and that there was no bacteria. And so far, no residual damage from the swelling around her brain. And so... I, as you can tell, it's just, I'm overwhelmed with the goodness of God and I'm overwhelmed with what that means for my child. I have no clue what that's going to do for her in future life, but I told her this morning again and I've told her every day since that you were, you were healed that way for a reason. And she went, Mummy, I don't like things to be made a big deal of. And I said, this is a big deal because God is a big deal and your life is a big deal. And for some reason, somewhere along the line, so as part of my wider whānau, if you ever want to pray, is pray that whatever she, however she processes that is for his glory and for his good, and that she carries that through her life as something that she will sow out into other people's lives from as an experience, and that he will heal the trauma because she's still traumatised by it all, and that she will only remember the good, as the Bible says that God uses the things we go through and he makes good out of it. And he never leaves us or forsakes us. And I had times where I just wanted to yell and why and why. But it was like, just pray and know that when others like you all prayed for her, he is there big time. And I felt it that day. I felt an overwhelming presence of the Holy Spirit on me at the darkest time of my life for the, in the last little while. So thank you for being in my church, Farno. Thank you for being faithful prayers. And just know that God is absolutely there no matter what we go through. So good. Isn't that good? And when Jen checked back, the timing of when we prayed and when things happen was amazing. Isn't that cool? Peter. Thanks, Jen. I'm not sure how I can follow that. That's pretty cool, Jen. That's really exciting. Um, I want to thank the church for praying for my son, Andre. As many of you know, Andre's got a deformity with his right eye from birth. And, um, and uh, to the degree that he can't really see much out of that eye, if anything at all. Uh, uh, but his left eye is his good eye. Well, so we thought anyway, up until a couple of years ago when we discovered that his left eye has, um, uh, has got some real issues with pressure behind the eye called glaucoma. And um, uh, the issue with that, of course, is that uh, um, if the pressure builds up, he will actually go blind. And that's not a good idea if you want to be able to see what you're doing. So anyway, we... Um, uh, over the re last 
couple of weeks, we've had some real major issues with that eye and with the pressure. And, um, and so the elders got around Andre and prayed for him. Uh, that was a couple of Tuesdays ago that we gathered around him. We just laid hands and anointed him of oil. And uh, you know what? It got worse. Yes, it did. The pressure went higher than it's ever done before. In fact, last Saturday, we rushed him to the hospital. Uh, the pressure was uh, um, at 45, which doesn't mean much to most of us, but it should be around about 10. And, um, and it had gone higher than ever before. And there's a young guy there called Zach. He's just in his last year of his training. And, uh, and he tweaked, because Andre had gone for an operation about a month or so ago, but they tweaked the, the operation. And uh, the pressure came down to 17. And then the next time Andre went, a couple of days later, the pressure had gone down to 12. And then the, uh, the professor of ophthalmology who was looking after Andre said, I don't know, something's, okay, this is not right. This shouldn't happen. It shouldn't just go down by itself. Now, last Sunday, you prayed for Andre. And after he was prayed for as a church, as his family, the pressure went down and the specialist says, I can't explain it. Something's wrong. Well, he went back on Thursday, and the good news is the pressure has remained down. And we're not out of the woods yet. We're not out of the woods yet. We need another couple of weeks to make sure that pressure stays where it is. But I said to Kerry and to Andre, I said, you know, we wouldn't be Christian if we didn't acknowledge that God's hand is upon this. We'd be heathen because we prayed and something happened. You, know, you could say, well, it was just circumstance or it just happened to happen at the right time. But no, we prayed and something happened. And I want to give God the glory that he did a miracle in our son's eyes. <laughs> Praise him for that. Hallelujah. Great. Thanks, Pete. Isn't that cool? Do you know why I got them to share that? Because often we pray for people. And isn't it good to hear that God actually listens? God is not a rock. God is listening and God is ready to act. And God does miracles today. Some people believe that the Holy Spirit kind of was alive and active in the life of the disciples and that, but kind of died out around the same time as the disciples. And, and I don't know, God gave this gift to us, but God decided to kind of just take it back. It doesn't sit right with me. And things like these miracles and that highlight the fact that the Holy Spirit is still active today, still working today, still doing stuff in our lives today. So that's great, isn't it? It's cool. Okay, third one. Practice the art of generosity. Practice the art of generosity. Generosity is not just about money, though it may be money as well, but be generous with other people. Be generous. People who are alive and fresh in God are generous people. Their whole attitude is generous because they make a decision to be that way. Someone says, can I have some, you know, have you got time um, to sit and talk with me? No, 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 no. I don't have time. No, no, that's not generous. Generous is we have time for people if we can make time. It may be that we're busy and on our way somewhere. We have to say, I can't right now, but let's get together for coffee on Tuesday or something. But, you know, we need to be generous with other people. Again, it's that, 
that outward flow, looking to others, not what can we take, what can we give to people. Getting involved in, in things that are outside of church, I'm a great believer in that. A lot of times we can get, at times become a little bit insular and, and uh, be involved in church activities only in that. But I want to encourage you to be involved in things outside of church as well. Be involved in Rotary Club or Lions Club or uh, sports teams and that. That's because it will keep, one, it will keep you rubbing shoulders with people who are unchurched, which gives you opportunities to be generous to them, uh, to be uh, speaking into their lives and to be impacting them. But also it keeps us grounded uh, and keeps us alert. Otherwise we just become this kind of weird kind of thing that's just irrelevant. And uh, God wants us to be relevant and he wants us to be impacting I thought, I read my next note, it was nine, and I thought, wow, that's gone really fast. Yeah. Number four, become involved in something greater than yourself. So a lot of these kind of link up and chunk up with other, uh, with other things and cross over and that, but it's always great to be involved in something greater than ourselves. It's never about us. You know, they've done research with people and one of the things that they found when they did research with people who were coming to the end of their lives and that was their biggest regrets. One was that they didn't take more risks in life. Another one of their greatest regrets was they didn't become involved in other lives that would continue. So they came to the end of their life and they, and they hadn't made a deposit into the generations that come before them. It's an interesting thing to be disappointed about, isn't it? So we need to be involved in other people's lives. One, one thing they didn't regret was working less. Uh, sorry, was working more, yeah. One of their regrets was not working less. So it's interesting, we live and breathe our, our jobs sometimes, and I'm not saying we should work less, we should be good employees, we should work hard for our employer, and we should, uh, you know, earn, earn our money in that, but it's not just about work, not just about work. Number five, surround yourself with positive people hungry for God and adventure, and it kind of comes back to how I started out, that people who are positive just and, and hungry in God, and I'm talking about a God positivity. I'm not talking about just the power of, of mental positivity by, its own, by itself. And now I'm talking about in God. But when you get along people who are exciting to be around and living on the edge of God's stuff and that, it's exciting to be around them. And when we, when we journey with other people, when we run with other people, when we cycle with other people that are of that way of mind, we actually do better ourselves. I was thinking, uh, you know, it's a bit like a competition. You watch triathlons, and, and I'm a great triathlon fan, as you can tell by my build and that. I, I spend a lot of time watching it. Um, and one of the things that I noticed, and I and I used to I used to watch runners and cyclists and triathlons, and they all generally stay in packs. 
they generally set out, and you might have some that become breakaway groups. Uh, you might have one or two or three breakaway groups. And then as the competition goes on, you might have one or two might kind of do a run, a solo run by themselves. But generally, the bulk of them generally stay in packs. Why is that? Because they're generally taking turns at running in the wind they're gen while the others stay in the slipstream. So they actually perform uh, at a higher and they push each other along doing this. And so you watch your cyclists and, and, you, and you notice that the person at the back quite often jumps up to the front. I think that's how they do it. Um, but the person at the front, you know, is cycling hard and then they drop back into someone's slipstream so they can regain their energy. And uh, what it means is the whole pack over time is actually actually moving faster and actually gathering momentum off each other's efforts. And this is what happens when we hang out with people who are positive and that. We gather momentum off each other's efforts. If you hang out with people who are positive, it will impact your world. It will make you more positive, especially if there's a God focus involved. You'll just feel better. Conversely, if we choose not to, the opposite happens. Number six, take risks in God. Take risks in God. People uh, who are alive and that are not scared to take risks. Now, I'm not talking about dumb risks because um, that's called stupidity. I'm talking about choosing to be more effective than you were last year and actually linking up a bit of risk in that area, like praying for some stuff that you've never been able to do before, that, that God will bring some people into your life, that you'll be able to share the gospel with more people than you've been able to before. That you've been able to, that you'd be able to raise more money for a charity than you've ne ever been able to raise before, or you know, some stuff. They reckon that if you have some things like this, and it actually requires faith to actually get that distance between what you have and what you are believing for. That is the faith gap. That is the faith gap. It will grow your faith as people. It will enlarge your faith as people which is a good thing in God, isn't it? We should believe for more. We should believe for more. You know, some people say, oh, it's not about money. It's not, and it's not about money. It's, you know, God's not into numbers. Then why is the New Testament full of numbers? Why is the Old Testament full of numbers? If God's not into numbers, if God doesn't care about how many people get saved and stuff like that, why can you read in Acts that 3,000 were saved? Because God does actually care about numbers because it helps us to keep track and do things better and work um, and believe for more in that. And I'm, and I'm not saying that numbers trump everything because they don't. don't. Don't take it out of context. But just we should care about uh, increasing things and doing more in God. Number seven. Keep your priorities clear. People who are alive are alive because they haven't burnt out. They haven't died. When we get our priorities out of whack, we challenge things in our lives that can send us off the rails and that. So what I'm talking about is there is a set priority in God that, that is a good, really good common sense thing. And, and this is one I've followed for years and I can speak from experience. When we don't follow it, things get messy. So 
in your life, God should be the most important thing in your life. Without a doubt, God should be the most important. It is your priority to have your relationship with God. The second thing is your family comes next, your family, your wife and your kids. Your third thing is your job. Why? And I'll come back to that. The fourth thing is church and ministry comes after that as well. So if you're involved doing stuff in church now, a lot of people put church ahead of their job. A lot of people, I'm not saying here, but I've seen a lot of people, put church ahead of their family. In ministry, it's happened. It generally results in unhealthy marriages because it's not God's way. God wants us to be faithful to him and faithful to the people that we make promises to, especially wedding vows. Employment is next because it provides the income for our family. That's why it must be next. And then church and ministry comes after those things. If we get those out of kilter and we're, we're at church when we should be at home looking after our family, we've got birthday parties, but we're at home, uh, we're here uh, doing whatever, that's going to make us unpopular at home. If we're at work when we should be at a birthday party, you might just find you get unpopular. So keep your priorities right. It's really important. Number eight is have non-church connections, and I've talked about that. Did I put that in twice? Okay. It's there because it's very important. Have non-church connections. Don't be scared to rub shoulders with people who are unchurched. You won't catch anything. They don't carry anything weird apart from, you know, the unchurched people. They need the love of God. God loves them. He cares about them deeply. They are his, you know, someone said the church is the only organization that exists for its non-members. The church is the only organization that exists for its non-members. It's an incredible thought, isn't it? Number nine, take God wherever you go. Don't be a secret Christian, although be wise with it as well. It doesn't mean ram God down people's throats, but don't be scared to let people know that you you are a believer. In fact, I, I used to, when I'd work in the workplace and that, I used to quite often find that people would figure out as a Christian and, and I wanted them to actually learn that I was actually an okay sort of person before. So sometimes I used to try and keep it on the down low until they got to know me. And about the longest I think I managed to ever do it was for two hours once in a job before someone said, hey, don't you go to that church? And then it was out of the bag after that. Take God wherever you go. You know, I wonder if people asked our workmates, what are they like? I wonder what they say about us. What are we like? Uh, Would they say they're fantastic to work with? I've worked with some people who weren't fantastic. None of them went to Lane Park. I know you guys will all be fantastic. But, but I've worked with a few that, you know, they weren't that great um, at shining 
shining God. And if I wasn't a Christian and I didn't know God myself and I was just comparing, uh, accepting God based on their life, I would probably think, yeah, I'm not so convinced. They're pretty negative. They're pretty down. They're pretty everything I don't want to be. So we need to stay alive in God and we need to take Him with us. We need to share Him, pray for opportunities that we can impact their lives. And the last one is stay in God. Saying God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Don't just come to church on Sundays. It's not enough to just come to church on Sundays and think that's enough. Think about Him through the week. Journey with Him through the week. Speak to Him through the week. Take Him wherever you go. He's with you anyway, so why not take Him? Isaiah says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the Creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And in Him and her who have no might, He increases strength. Even youths faint and become weary and young men become exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. They who wait upon the Lord because they're young. No, because they wait on the Lord. Because they've been in God 50 years. No, because they wait on the Lord. Because they wear the right clothes. They say the right things. They know the Bible backwards. They've been to Bible school. No, they wait on the Lord. They're the person who gave their life to Christ a week ago, but waits on God. They're the person who gave their lives 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 70 years ago, and waits on the Lord. They take God wherever they go. They look for Him wherever they are. That is a secret sauce. You you pop that in your hamburger, you've got the chain that'll outblast every other chain, hamburger chain in this universe. It's the secret sauce. They who wait upon the Lord, stay in His presence. Stay in His presence. Take Him with you. Take Him with you. I'm going to hand it back to the band. I'll pray. And uh, Father, we love You. We love who You are. We love that You are the source of all good things. In You is good. We thank You that You've got a plan for other people. We thank You we're part of that plan, that we can love You, we can uh, have You fulfilling our lives, helping us to be 
uh, shaped and molded in your ways, but we can reach out to other people and love people who maybe have never had anyone loving them before, but you are allowing us to be that person, to be that friend. And so I just pray that you'll uh, help us, give us opportunities and give us ways to live out this message today, that we would be people who others would see and they would recognize that there's something special about that person. There's some mark on that person that I want to be just like them. I want to find out what's going on in their world. I want to find out what's in their heart. I want to find out what's happening, happened in their life because they carry something deep and rich because they carry our, uh, because we carry you, Father. And so be with everyone this week, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Hey, uh, maybe you're here this morning and you've never given your life to God. You've never given your life to Jesus. We have people who, uh, if you'd like to talk about it some more, there's myself and there's leaders here who would love to have that conversation. So if you want to make God number one in your life and that, and be able to actually live this stuff out because the secret source to all this stuff is God. I don't know if you notice it, but just about everything was God, 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 God. God is the secret ingredient in all the stuff. If you're missing God in your life, you are missing the main ingredient. It doesn't matter what you do from a humanistic point of view. You can try and conjure up every, uh, every kind of technique or trick you know. Without God, it is futile. You cannot do it. It will not last. But if you get God in your life, it will last. It will happen. You'll wake up. And like Johnny said last week, he just woke up and everything looked different. Everything will be different because God's in your life. So if you want to talk more about God, give your life to God, come and talk to us. We'd love to talk to you and pray with you. I'm going to hand back to the band. Uh, there's just after church, the chairs, uh, we just need to set some chairs up for the uh, school that's coming in this week. The cafe is open, um, so there's uh, coffee and yummy food and good people to talk to. Have a great week. Don't forget, don't keep God in here. He goes with you. We take him everywhere, yeah? Bless you guys. Take care.